I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. All right, everybody, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. It's Friday. It's time for a regular Friday show. I know Sean Gentilly and I were on the deadline show together. And then we had one show after a week where we disappeared. But we're back. It's a normal show, kind of. He did. Kind of. I think we're we're both. We're both here. Stacked it's up here. It's Friday. We're both a little busy with things that we can't really talk about right now because this is the the fun thing about the Friday show. If you're new here, we record on Thursday nights. Show comes out Friday morning. So we do have some things that will be released in the next 24 hours that we cannot talk about right now. So I guess uh, well, that's the one of us uh, does. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. If that's both of us necessarily. My 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 fun your power edition. rankings. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> guess what? The Bruins are number one. Can you believe it? Oh, come on. No, the the ridiculous variable that I'm bringing to the table here is that I'm recording from uh, the lobby of a courtyard by Marriott. In what and, location? That's uh, none of your business or anybody else's. <laughs> and they're playing lobby music. So I'm I, I, if it, it's not going to show up on, on the end recording in one, either way, re- regardless of how it happens. But, but, but. As I hear these songs, I'm going to call them out. Right now, I have the cores <laughs> playing uh, Breathless. If somebody starts screaming at the, like, at the receptionist, mm-hmm. can you turn the camera and then point your microphone in that direction? And you mean we can if, like, turn a, this into some kind of like, got Karen, ya. If a Karen shows up, yeah. oh boy, I oh, hate yeah. Karens. Look at this Karen Check screaming this at Karen. the nice lady at the courtyard by Marriott at this undisclosed location. Do you know how many clicks we would get? Yeah, we'd be able to quit. <laughs> Karen correspondent. Anyways, it's Friday. It's Haley Salvian and Sean Gentilly. <laughs> it's another day. The fun never ends. <laughs> uh, so 
we're in the, one of these weird periods of the NHL schedule where yeah. uh, I'm frequently looking around and being like, I'm bored. And I know that the trade deadline day was kind of boring and the lead up to it was super busy. So sure, this is nice. Like this pocket of time is nice for the people that had to work on every single trade that happened over the last two weeks. <laughs> um, but it's also kind of boring. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, I'm sick of talking about how good the Bruins are. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty good though. They're very good. The Eastern Conference wildcard race is interesting, but we've been talking about that since the preseason. That was one of my topics to watch this year was, I think the East is going to be really interesting. <laughs> we can't keep talking about really? that. Yeah. We cannot. It's, so I'm, we're bringing back the mailbag. Oops. Oops. Another mailbag. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> However, we do have a... It's not an all mailbag because there is a little bit of news that we can no, talk about. No, we can't. Um, no, 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 no. It's news. Int- it's 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 intro with fun, quirky Friday anecdotes. You're in a hotel lobby, and then it's news you can use from the Friday show. Collective Soul is now playing <laughs> December, and so this brings us to news you can use. Kirill Kaprizov is out three to four weeks with lower body injury. Not great. Uh, he's obviously the best player on the Minnesota Wild. Very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we've successfully avoided the conversation of like, well, if Connor McDavid didn't exist, would Kaprizov win MVP? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. We're I not going to do that today. No, However, that's a thing people tell themselves mm-hmm. to generate, you know, when they need some something kind of, to talk about. Yeah, right. I'm yeah, not we're not going to do, do that, that here. <laughs> However, we can talk about like what this means for the Minnesota Wild, who are in a, you know, they're in a playoff spot right now. They're in a fight to either win the Central, uh, be competitive to win the Central, stick in a wild card spot. However, you want to frame this. I mean, they beat the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday night, so they mm-hmm. are tied in points with the Dallas Stars for the top spot in the Central Division right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some important games in the next three to four weeks here for the Minnesota Wild, and they're going to be playing them without their best player, Sean. What do you uh, make of this? What does this mean for the Wild? This is a team that doesn't have offense to spare, right? Like we saw, we saw it from them at the deadline. Like I look, I, I like the work. I like the work they've done. You know, it, Billy Garen's been dealt a pretty brutal hand with the with the King. contract situation, huh? Said King Bill Guerin. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. Ice cream. This man loves ice cream. This we man love loves. It. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, continue. It's been dealt been dealt a tough hand, right? With the mm-hmm. with the cap situation. So the amount that they could have improved improved and the amount they could have added was always going to be a little uh you know kind of kind of questionable. They go out and get Oscar Sunkfist, who's <laughs> the definition of a of a of a deadline ad. It's a defense first, you know, fourth liner, great. They don't have offense to spare, though. They're second from the bottom in the league in goals four per 60 at five mm-hmm. on five. Uh, offensive, their offensive numbers just are generally brutal across the board, no matter, no matter how you slice them. They're, um, they're rough. They don't, mm-hmm. have, they, they don't have much to get back here. And when you, when you throw out a player for four weeks, is up over a point per game, you know. Thirty nine goals a season. Crazy, good enough that people are maybe, like you said, pretending that that he'd be a uh, hard trophy option over Connor McDavid, which is laughable. But the fact that that's even, you know, a possible discussion point, even as I said, well, let's throw it out there for argument's sake, kind of thing, is wild and shows how good he's been, but also how important he's been to their bottom line. Because, like I said. They they bring a lot to the table. They're a playoff team right now for good reason, but um, they don't have offensive production to spare. And he's and mm-hmm. he's their number one weapon there, their number one option by a factor of, you know, 50. So, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, this is a team, as you said, they're kind of star for scoring. So they are 26th with 2.75 goals per game. And thirty mm-hmm. first with one hundred and six five on five goals this season. Yeah, their five their five on five game has been has been brutal not great. For... <laughs> and yeah, this is a, a subtraction of one of their their best. Yeah, score, their, right. Their, he has thirty nine goals. He's yeah, their, their best player. 
their top tier offensive player who drives the bus on his own line for, as a winger, which is always tough. There are very few guys that can that can do that, you know. But I think when it comes to that, he's also a really great playmaker. I think maybe people don't quite realize that about him mm-hmm. um, because of the goals and because of the flash that he brings when the when the puck you know is on his stick and he's and he's driving yeah. he's driving the net. The guy is maybe not prime Patrick Kane level playmaker, but he's close enough. He's as, he's as close as we're gonna get. Uh, on the wing, on the wing mm-hmm. these days. So yeah, it's brutal. It's a bit. It's it's a brutal loss for a team that, you know, like I said, doesn't have doesn't have a lot of ground to give when it comes to either offensive production or or points at this point in the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds crazy, you know, and and maybe it is, but you know, it, the margin's probably a little smaller than you think for them. So I guess the bright side for the Minnesota Wild is that they have a ten point cushion for a playoff spot right now. Yeah, uh, which that's they actually, could. That, you know, I gotta say that's that's bigger than I thought it was gonna be. I I, th- I thought it was at least down into du- down into single digits for them. Yeesh. Yeah, so they've got a ten point cushion uh, that they can use over the next three to four weeks. And uh, this is, I think, I believe Russo wrote this exactly. And learn how to score without their go to guy. Um, of course, the glass half empty take is that, oh, God, this is another Minnesota sports story. What the hell is going to happen? Is this how the Calgary Flames sneak into the playoffs somehow? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, we'll see. I think um, 10 point 10 points is a lot. Yeah. But also four weeks is a really long time. It's a long time. Yeah, the, three to four the, weeks with a lower body injury. The team announced that uh, this evening here on Thursday. And the fact that they're announcing that is the time frame, like straight off the bat, is typically not a great sign. Mm-hmm. It's not great. So that's the news you can use. Actually, you know what? One more little news you can use. The Canadian women's national team that's going to head to the Women's World Championships in Brampton has been named. Mm-hmm. That was named this afternoon. Um, they're looking to win back to back to back gold medals at this women's world championship sean and i will have to make a little wager on this world championship sure do we want to talk about this now or do you want to say this for the mailbag because we did get a question about it oh we did i didn't see uh what was the question the question was (laughs) thank you for it was a part of a larger question, but Ju- Julia asked us a series of questions on Twitter. So they were all, a lot of them were really good and really smart. So we'll, we'll go back to what she said in a little bit. But Haley, she was just asking for your, for your thoughts on the, on the Team Canada roster and asked if Lauren Gable has been snubbed specifically. <laughs> Okay, so the Canada roster got released today. I think some of the most notable names on this list are Natalie Spooner. So she Mm -hmm. was not at the last Women's World Championships uh, because she was pregnant with her first child, a son named Rory, who was born in December. And uh, yeah, born in December, she got on the ice for the first time in practices and just, you know, skating and conditioning four weeks postpartum. And then she played in the last two PWHPA showcases, which would be around 11 and 12 weeks postpartum. So essentially, she's come back to playing hockey uh, with the PWHPA fewer than three months after giving birth. And then now making the Team Canada roster like just over three months uh, by the time the Women's World Championship rolls around in a couple weeks. So Spooner's a big one. She is a huge power forward like one of the best in the game she brings a really great net presence and uh her and sarah fillier and melody Daou were probably the best line at the last at the women's world championships in calgary which was in 2021 uh in august that line was electric uh Daou's not with the team for family reasons uh but i do wonder if we'll see uh two-thirds of that line put together in Fillier and Spooner. So that's a significant addition. Rebecca Johnson's back. Claire Thompson's going to be on the team. So she missed the last world championships in Denmark because <laughs> she was in medical school trying to get her bearings in her first couple weeks at school. Uh, we did a big feature on her in The Athletic, if anyone's interested in reading about Claire Thompson and her story and her path. Uh, but she is back on the national team will be a big presence on the second pair, probably next to Aaron Ambrose. And uh, well, she's not on the ice scoring big goals or 
shutting down Team USA. She's going to mm-hmm. be hitting the books and studying for, you know, whatever subject she's in right now. Right now, she told me that she's doing uh, the gastrointestinal unit right now yeah, in school. She's on the she's on the she's on the poop unit. Oh yeah, so her and I were talking at the last world at uh, the last PWHPA showcase in DC. And I was like, "What are some of the things you're learning about right now?" She's like, "Um, a lot of poop." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, poop, poop stuff." Great, things of that it's nature. poo. Um, awesome. So, I don't know. I think it's a good roster. I think uh, Danielle Serdaki being on the roster is really interesting. Um, there's a couple. That's the kind of big young player that's going to be on this Canada roster. Obviously, Mary Philippe Poulin, Sarah Fillier, Brianne Jenner, like the usual suspects that have been there, done that, are are all back. Um, so there aren't a ton of surprises. Um, and I'm not surprised that Lauren Gable's not on the roster. I mean, she got brought back for one of the rivalry series. Um, Elizabeth Shigera was also brought in for a rivalry series. They they got kind of a shot there this season. But Lauren Gable hasn't been on like a major senior national team roster since the 2019 Women's World Championships, which was the uh, year where Canada lost in the semifinals and finished with a bronze medal, which is the single worst finish that they've ever had in a major international tournament. Um, you know, I think the the national team spent a lot of time looking at roster construction and not just making the team, you know, the best possible players, but like having the best like top six and bottom six, like actually constructing a roster that could win. Uh, And I think with some of the personnel that they have, like if Lauren Gable is not going to be playing on the top line or the second line, um, can she play that third line role? Well, probably not because that's Rebecca Johnson and Blair Turnbull and Emily Clark who do that really well. And do you really want her on the fourth line? Well, you've got Laura Stacy and Jamie Lee Rattray and Kristen O'Neill. Like this team has an identity and they've been winning with that with this roster of players. Uh, so there wasn't really a great opportunity for Lauren Gable to jump in and steal a spot. And that's what she had to do, right? Like there aren't a lot of holes. So Lauren Gable was in a situation where she would have to jump in and, and steal a spot from somebody. And it doesn't look like she did that. looks like Sardaki did. looks like, um, you know, Jamie Bourbonnet came in and stole a spot from uh, Megan Mickelson or an Ashton Bell who were no longer on this roster who mm-hmm. were at the last World Championships. Um, and, and Victoria Bach and Sarah Potomac, Jesse Eldridge, they are no longer on this roster. They've been in the fold. They were kind of at the last World. Yeah, I was, and, su- I was surprised to see the amount of turnover from, yeah. from the last World ro- roster, right? I mean... There were five, six, five, yeah. six uh, cha- switched over spots there. That's I, and more, I, I always, don't know. I don't know shit about that, but it, but it seemed like it was more than bit, you'd anticipate for a defending champion team. Absolutely, for a team that's won, you know, the last mm-hmm. three major international uh, tournaments. But I think that's, I think that just speaks to the depth of talent that Team Canada has on their roster, right? Like Michael, Megan Mickelson is thirty eight years old. Um, she was at that last world championship when Claire Thompson couldn't be there. Jamie Bourbonnet got cut. Um, but they're also in the middle of this new Olympic quad. So does it make sense to bring Megan Mickelson in for this one? Or should you reintroduce Jamie Bourbonnet into the fold? You're probably going to go with a younger player who has a bit more potential versus, you know, the veteran at this point in, uh, you know, between Olympic stages. Um, and yeah, I think it's, you know, for, when you get Natalie Spooner who's back and playing at a level where you think she can make an impact, someone's going to have to get cut to make room for Natalie Spooner. And someone's going to need to get cut to make room for Rebecca Johnson. These are players who have been in this ro- in this program for over a decade now. Some of the longest tenured, most decorated players, um, whether it's NCAA or the international women's game. And I think it's only been like it's been six months or seven months since the last since the last worlds. I mean, the, the changeover because of the compressed the schedule schedules is all weird. Yeah, still crazy. I know the schedule is all strange. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are often looking for, you know, bigger explanations. Is, why is Lauren Gable not here? And why is Elizabeth Shiger not here? Is it because they play in the PHF? Uh, I just think that this is a, a country with a lot of really good women's hockey players. And there's so few opportunities for these women to showcase what they can do, uh, whether it's a short-term tryout camp, whether it's Troy Ryan and Gina Kingsbury scouting them in the PW or scouting in the PHF or scouting them in college. They don't have a lot of chances to make these teams. Um, and sometimes, like I'm again, someone's got to get cut for Nat Spooner. <laughs> if she's healthy and ready and she's good to go, she's making this roster. So that's a good question, Julia. Thank you. 
And she is. That's what's, that's again, to circle back to what you said originally, like, my God, this woman was, she gave birth in December. Yeah. December 6th is her son's birthday. Also, by, also, by the way, I don't know if you can hear this. Vanessa Carlton. That's what's, that's what's playing in this hotel Love lobby. Love that. Right now. Ooh, good lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the news you can use. I know we dipped a little bit into the mailbag, but uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to go full on mailbag for the rest of the show because I forgot to mention, I have a wedding. I'm supposed to be off today. I'm doing wedding festivities this weekend and mm-hmm. uh, I'm supposed to be with the bride right now. So never question me, listeners. I love you all. Let's go to break. And um, as for me, you're fine. We'll go to break. Yeah, let's. All right. That, that was nice. Let's go to break now. On that note. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And we're back here to start of our Oops All Mailbag segment. Uh, but before you do that, I whoops. did want to say... Whoops. Did want to specifically address uh, what's gone on in the league with... Uh, the Pride Night situations over the last week and what's mm-hmm. certain to continue going on over the next month or so. Uh, talked a lot about the Minnesota Wild uh, in the first segment. It's worth noting that they pulled the plug on their own Pride Night plans where they were going to wear jerseys, didn't do that. No player involvement there. That's obviously sad and infuriating and troubling and problematic. Uh and we are working on stuff here at The Athletic. That's not something that's going to go unaddressed or unreported upon. And um, we're working on a series of things. And one of them is probably going to be live by the time you folks listen to this. So it's on our radar. Uh, we're we're talking to folks about it. Um, but in, my, in our capacity, I guess, on this show, uh, it's gross and sad. Mm-hmm. And it um, should be embarrassing for the teams and for the players <laughs> and uh, for the league, right? Like this is, this is an instance where earlier in the season um, with the Ivan Provorov situation with the Flyers, you got to wonder if there wasn't some kind of Pandora's box that was opened up by when Gary Bettman left it all to personal choice and whatever. And now not coincidentally, a lot of locker rooms are exercising that personal choice in the form of, pulling the plug on uh, on pride jerseys entirely, which is horrible. It's one night out of 41 where the men who play hockey in this league can send a signal to uh, an underappreciated, underserved portion of, of the, uh, of the fan base that they matter and that, and, and that they're seen and they're actively choosing not to do it. And so we're, we'll see what their reasons are. We'll, we'll see what other teams join in this parade of uh, bullshit and cowardice and mm-hmm. um and uh what's the word I'm looking uh, homophobia that's that's the word I'm looking for over over the next over the next month or so. Um uh, but in the meantime yeah it shouldn't go unremarked upon and uh no we and, see it and, and we're and and we're trying to do what we can on that. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, we're not just trying to defer to like when a story comes out. We just no, no, no. want to make sure that, you know, once the story comes out, we'll be able to talk about everything that we've been able to find as, you know, people like Sean, you know, look into this further. But like that doesn't stop us from saying what Sean said. Yeah. And that doesn't stop us from saying that like people deserve to feel safe. Yeah. Whether it's players, their significant others, staff, fans, like anyone in the building, anyone who likes this game, you don't even have to be in the ring to want to feel safe in this space and in this sport. And everybody, like that is just like a right that everyone should have to feel safe and comfortable and okay being a hockey fan. And sometimes it is so hard to do that. And I'm sorry for the people that like consistently struggle to feel safe and welcome in such a stupid thing, which is just like a sport. Like this is just a game. Right. The end of the day. Right. Uh, and, for, and, and you for should whatever. feel like you can just watch a game and feel welcome and safe. Sure. And, and there is a thread online I, I recommend from Lexi Brown. Uh, JT Brown used to play in the NHL. His wife made a big thread. And that's why I say like players and their partners um, because there, there's a pretty enlightening thread from Lexi. I mean, she's always been very vocal. She's great at using her platform to speak about these things. Um, and this is a person who didn't always feel safe and comfortable at her own husband's hockey games. Um, so I recommend you take a look there from Lexi. Um, and um, if you are experiencing this, if you are, if you live in Minnesota or you live in what other cities has this happened in Philadelphia, Philadelphia and you just want to New York, if you just want to go to a hockey game and be mm -hmm. yourself and feel like you're welcome and you can't, I'm very sorry. We are very sorry. Um, that that is the the reality in which you face in this sport. Whatever the reasons these decisions are being made, right? Internally, externally, whatever re whatever the reasons are, whatever the excuses that are being given, um, the outcome of this is that a lot of people mm -hmm. are being a hurt and b uh, told told what the teams they care about think of them, and that's mm -hmm. and that's 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 a tough that's a tough spot to be in. So we're sorry, and uh, I don't know. Trying to have your back, I guess, in 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 whatever in whatever capacity we we can provide it. So, anyways, um, with that said, let's answer some mailbag questions. Yeah, so let's 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 start with an easy one. Who should replace Ron Hextall as the Penguins' general manager next year? This is from Josh Can Tweeter. I got to go on. I got a good answer. Yeah, give it. Let's go. Kyle Dubas. <sighs> it's so stupid. Got him. Are you serious? Got him. Got him. Are you serious though? Do you think Dubas is going to get fired? You think it's impossible that he does? You think Dubas is going to get fired and then immediately get hired in Pittsburgh? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that the Leafs lose in the first round to Tampa Bay. Even though Tampa looks terrible right now. We'll just now. We'll, we'll, let, we'll lay out some facts here first off before before <laughs> we do any of that. Ron Hexel has one year left on his deal. Mike Sullivan has been given a contract extension by Fenway, by the Fenway Sports Group. Ron Excel is not. One year left at whatever a GM makes three million, four million, and yet, and he he's about to, and he he is on track to enter the last year of that contract without without a new one. And Kyle Dubas, not a dissimilar situation. I don't know. Well, Dubas, this is the final year of Dubas' contract. That's what I'm saying. He's he's he doesn't he doesn't have a contract either. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Dubas does not get a contract extension if the Leafs lose in the first round of the playoffs again. Like that's something that everyone knows. Like Dubas has talked about it. Like they he was told like we are not going to you know give you another deal. And Dubas has talked about how. This is all performance based. Um, mm -hmm. So if they lose in the first round, yeah, maybe they decide like this isn't working. What you've put together, it's not going to work. We're done. But like he's done some good work this year. Part of me wondered after we saw the Ryan O'Reilly trade and bringing in Sam Lafferty mm -hmm. and Jake McCabe. It's like, did Dubas do enough that if they lose, his job is safe? I think that's that's the question, right? Because at some only, point, at some point, Game Seven. You know, season on the line, the players that he gave this money to need to eventually just do it. And sure, Dubas gave them the money and Dubas picked these guys and Dubas put this roster together. But eventually these guys who are so good in the regular season have to just do it in the postseason. Sure. Absolutely. I'm not saying and I'm not saying that Dubas should be fired. My, my reason in bringing that up is that if he is 
or if he is not <laughs> if he if he is not brought back, he should get. You a job think in, he'd be a good fit in he Pittsburgh? Get a, he'd be a good fit anywhere. He should get a job in 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 thirty right. seconds. Any, any so you any, think. So you think he could be fired, but he's still a good GM and could get hired immediately. Absolutely, that's that's why that's why that's why I say it. He should get hired by who? By he should be if for whatever reason the least the least decide to move on. He should be candidate one A on and one A and one B and one C on everybody's list mm-hmm. moving forward. Right, and especially if, with uh, future GM Barry Trotz off the table. <laughs> yeah, right. And if the Penguins do decide to move on and they can't hire him, they should move on. And hire Eric Tolsky from the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, next, <laughs> next question. <laughs> I like that idea. I did. I feel I, like I always hate when we do these conversations. I heard this on the radio actually. I think it was Jeff Merrick. Um, I always hate the like, does X player get enough credit for things? Um, but I actually heard people talking on the radio about how Tolsky maybe doesn't get enough love for like some of the moves that this team <laughs> has made. Funny. You know what's funny <laughs> is I almost think it's the opposite. Cause you think too many people talk about it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think Don Waddell gets enough credit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Canes in general don't get enough credit for anything. Why is nobody talking about the Carolina Why is Hurricanes? nobody talking about the Car- <laughs> Whose job is this? <laughs> Do you think the Canes are a legitimate? Co- or do you think the Carolina Hurricanes? And this is the great thing about a mailbag is because it brings up topics that we find interesting, and we just ignore all the listener questions. Um, do you think the Carolina Hurricanes are the Boston Bruins' like single biggest threat at sure. like winning a Stanley Cup? Yes, I do. Even more. I think so a lot than- of people have been complaining. There they was a lot them, of complaints that the Carolina year. Hurricanes did. They didn't do enough at the deadline. It's like, well, we were all waiting for the Patretti replacement. Where was it? Like, sure, that would have been nice, but the Canes didn't really need to do anything. It's a lot tougher to improve on a team that doesn't have any glaring holes. Yeah. It's, they went out, yes, guess what? Yesi Puyarvi is their, is their 12th forward. And Chan Gossespair is a, is a third pair, is a third pair defenseman. Yeah. In a way, they had a tougher job than, say, the New York Rangers did. Because New York Rangers had had money to spend, an owner who was into it, as far as Kane was concerned, mm-hmm. and enormous holes at the top of their lineup, very obvious, pluggable holes where where right. you know you had a player like Vladimir Tarasenko who was on the market, and you had a player like Patrick Kane who wanted to go to one spot and one spot only, and they went out and got him. So credit to Chris Jury for doing it, but I think their spots, their pressure points, their spots for improvement were a lot easier than kind of adding. Than having to do the calculus if you're Carolina on like is this is this person better than what we have and blah 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 blah. So I'm with you absolutely. And the other thing too is that it's this wasn't a team that should have gone out and like grabbed. Okay, so everyone always talks like you know the Canes aren't a team that like bringing in high cost rentals. Okay, so let's let's have them go and look at some guys with term. We know that they kicked tires on Timo Meyer. Who else was like the valuable guy with term that they could have gone out and grabbed other than like, you know, some of the ones it sounded like they were potentially circling uh, the Calgary Flames, kicking tires on like a Lindholm backland to Foley potentially. I saw mixed reports on that mm-hmm. um, from some Nick, of the insiders. Nick Schmaltz, yeah, Arizona, but the thing is, like is like, this is also a team, they've got cap space to use right now because of Pacioretty, but they've also got some big contracts to sign in the next couple of years. Oh. Sebastian Ajo is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Um, Jordan Stahl is a UFA this summer. Um, you know, you've got, I mean, Martinuk's not like a huge unrestricted free agent. He's got two more years left on this deal. Um, you know, Jacob Slavin only has a couple more years left. Um Brent Burns, like they've got, they've got, I mean, I don't know if you're going to re-sign Brent Burns for a long-term contract. He's already 38 years old. However, like they need to be strategic with their spending, mm-hmm. right? Like this yep. is a team that's got some big deals that they're going to have to sign in the next couple of years here. Um, so I think it makes sense for them not to go out and just say like, yeah, we've totally. got money to spend. Let's go do it. They have a philosophy on the kind of players that they like and they have a philosophy on the kind of uh, oh, Seth financial. Seth Jarvis is going to, that's the one I was looking for. Sorry, Sean, to cut you off. I was scrolling through Cat Friendly trying to find the other one. It's it's not, it's not Brent Burns that we're worried about. It's Seth Jarvis. He's a restricted free agent uh, up for a new deal in 2024. I wonder what kind of payday he's going to get. As someone who's not making the decisions and someone whose money it is not, of course, I was like, yeah, go out and get, they should have gotten Tarasenko. They should have went out and gotten 
Prescott and whoever, you know, go all in. But there are plenty of reasons not to do that. It's it's just different different philosophies, right? So I don't know. I I've, I feel fine about where the about where the Carolina Hurricanes are, and I do think they are the Boston Bruins uh, kryptonite. Okay. Next question. All right. Our next our next question is actually uh, from Julia. She was she asked she asked uh, the original question in the first segment. What's your thoughts on the on the Team Canada roster? But that was the third kind of the third part of of her uh, of her overall uh, query here. This is Julia Julia speaking. She said. More serious and funny, so feel free to pass it over. But what are you enjoying in hockey right now? I'm getting the sense that you're a little burned out. And maybe that's just because it's, it's late season or that every day brings a new shitty hockey culture story, uh, which, as she says, extremely valid. Uh, and she says that it's not meant as a criticism because she watches games all the time, but's just been kind of bummed out recently uh, because of her team's moved and other stuff. And she's just interested in hearing what brings some, someone joy amidst uh, amidst the shitty feelings. Julia, first off, I agree with your premise, which like we're at a point in the in the schedule that's just post trade deadline, pre playoffs. Um, it feels like all the playoff spots are are kind of locked in, which is a bummer and something we've you know uh, discussed ad nauseum here with the, the playoff format and all that. So that stinks, and also we the pride stuff and whatever else stinks too. So yeah, it's 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 tiring and it, and it's kind of a dead spot. Uh, in the schedule that's typically, you know, resolved by April, which is good. April comes and the playoffs come and everyone feels a little bit better about stuff for better or worse. Right. Uh, but what I, I don't know what I've enjoyed, I think over the last month has been, has been Connor McDavid. Um, I know like I kind of have had fun ragging on the Oilers and ragging on McDavid specifically because, you know, why not? It's a good time, but what he's done over the last month is just it's overwhelming right it's it's five straight multi-goal games he's got 10 in his last 12 or whatever it is playing at a level that we just haven't seen from him or anybody really so knowing i think that we're that we are um seeing Pete Connor McDavid maybe right now this is like his version of Sidney Crosby in 2010 2011 like right before the concussion you know, knowing that we're seeing an all-time player at his absolute best has been enjoyable for me and probably more enjoyable than I thought it would be. And I think part of that is because it no longer feels that the Oilers are wasting him. And I think that's been true for a while. Right? Yeah, I mean, the Oilers are probably like what the probably like the biggest contender to get out of the West. If you had to put I, money I, I on think, I right think now. you have to take them very, very seriously for sure. Uh-huh. Because and adding be- Matias Ekholm at the deadline and Nick Bugstad, um, like those are savvy moves that are going to yeah, help them. They're a better, they're get a better there. five on five team now, and they're in their in their better defensive, better in spots that they where they needed to get better. So it feels like they're a threat, and it's not just because of him, and it's not just because Leon Dreisaitl, and it's not just because of the power mm-hmm. player or whatever. They're the thing that frustrates me the most, I think, from an on-ice perspective or an on-court perspective or an on-field perspective in sports is when teams waste individual greatness because of mismanagement or bad deci- or bad decisions or mm-hmm. bad luck or whatever. When you see individual greatness that, that isn't appreciated in, in its time and doesn't translate to team success, that drives me crazy. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's why I've ripped on the Oilers so much because it has been some level – a very real level of ineptitude stretching back multiple right you can't be all in every year office. right no. can't be all in every year mm, a, you should be and Australian Breeze Bois he's you been all in be. every year and look what they've done and for as bad as things went for Jim Rutherford at the end in Pittsburgh and for as ridiculous as as his exit was from that situation and as sideways as things went before it happened that dude Year after year, respected the gift of having that of having that core of players. I say it all the time. He uh-huh. knew what he had in Sidney Crosby. He knew what he had in Evgeny Malkin, and he might not have always made the right decisions, and he might not have always made the responsible decisions. But everything he did was meant to be done in service of the fact that he had those guys in their primes and at their peaks, and he knew it, and he acted accordingly. So. You know, covering those teams and being in Pittsburgh for almost all for almost my entire career and and, and whatever, I saw the way it, the way it 
can work and the way it should work theoretically and to see what Ken Holland and Bob Nicholson and I going back to, to the start of Connor McDavid's career from an executive standpoint to see the way they've wasted this guy is is uh it's it's malpractice and it and it and it, and it was driving me insane I think to sit to some level so so to mm-hmm. see them finally dig out from under that at the same time as he's as he as he's finding a way to hit a new level is uh is fun and I'm and I'm I'm excited to see what comes next. When it comes to the, you know, don't, you know, always appreciate the gift. I mean, we're seeing that with Julian Breezebois in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. Like this he, and he came out and he talked about it after his deadline moves where everyone thought like, oh my God, he gave up what for Tanner Janot? It's a GM who, you know, I'm sure he'll never come out and say, I don't care about draft picks, but he doesn't care about draft picks. He cares about winning and he cares about adding pieces that he thinks is gonna make his team better and make his team champions sure i appreciate that and it was nice to see kent holland and the oilers do the same thing with Connor mcdavid and i think yeah that's it like that's what brings joy right now it sounds kind of lame but it is watching mcdavid it's like every night he plays there's just something that's just like holy shit Mm -hmm. like look at what this guy just did i think for a different answer i think what's going to be Interesting. I'm not going to go as far as saying this brings me joy, but I will say like at this portion of the season post deadline, it's going to be very interesting to see how these uh, these teams in the Eastern Conference continue to kind of track. As of right now, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders making the playoffs as those two wildcard teams, but that's going to change probably five times between now and, and the postseason. And by, between now and when we actually find out who's going to make it in the East. So I think the East wildcard playoff race is going to be very interesting. That's kind of fun for me. I like watching those teams. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a, I think it was two days ago, it was on Tuesday. And, you know, the the Senators lose, but the Florida Panthers win, and so do the Sabres. Like, it's just like mm-hmm. every single night there's like all, and the Penguins come back and win. So as the Penguins win, uh, the Panthers win, the Sens lose, Sabres lose. So every single night there's just all this little movement and this jostling of position in this really interesting wild card race. So that's probably it for me. I've been really tracking that. It's been It's been pretty fun. <laughs> also, tank battles. <laughs> how how shameless can Columbus and Chicago get? About to find out, baby. Um, so thank you, Julia, for your question. I think it's very thoughtful. I I appreciate the kind words. But yeah, this sucks. March 9th, everything is everything is terrible. Yeah. But- um, this next one is from Anto. Uh-huh. Talk us all out of the Bruins will win the cup <laughs> and why it's still anyone's game. They hit a little bit of a lull in January. Injuries? They're capable. They're I mean, old. If you look at it, didn't quite manifest. Yeah, they lost some. They lost some games right before the deadline and made things kind of interesting. But you know, they did ten game stretch where their five on five numbers kind of cratered. They were, you know, underwater in terms of expect, expected goals and and actual goals for a stretch there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah, it's it's the predator, right? It's if it bleeds, game. if it bleeds, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And I think there's some proof of that that's at least, you know, theoretically possible. Injuries happen. That's why they went out and got Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy. Linus Olmark has not been a Vesna caliber goaltender his entire career. He's been average in the past. He's, he was average last year with them. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. It's still anyone's game. It's wide open. I like And this probably from- the other one is like Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, we just, Christ, yeah. we just spent. I love the Canes. 15 minutes gassing them up. It's possible. That's the tough part of all this is that like, and me and Cussins always joke about it, but it's about goaltending. Mm-hmm. It's about goaltending. Look at the it, Flames. Yeah. Yeah. My preseason Last year in the postseason? Yeah. There were games where I was just like, oh, wow, they finally shut down Connor McDavid tonight. Oh, but Markstrom was terrible. He couldn't stop a beach ball. Whoops. Some kind of Christina Aguilera. Good luck Aguilera. next year. Christina Aguilera uh, did uh, do uh, his plan. Who? Christina Aguilera. Aguilera. Christina Aguilera. Aguilera. No, that's my that's the Pittsburgh pronunciation. Oh Christina Aguilera. no! What's the other Pittsburgh thing that you do? Um, my car needs washed. Yeah, car needs washed. You need to wash your car. Yeah, whatever. Um, my podcast needs done. My podcast needs recorded. I hate that. Anyways, next question. Yeah. 
I like this from Keith. I'm interested to hear what your answer is here. When you're going to a game as a fan, where do you like to sit? Ooh. Behind the goal or center? Center ice, lower bowl, nosebleeds, et cetera. Never behind the goal. Unless you are like obsessed with that starting goalie, I never sit behind the goal. I'm not a fan anymore. I haven't sat in the seats for a hockey game in a long time. Um, But when I would go when I was younger, my favorite seats were either kind of in the corner between the bench and the goal. Yeah. So you get a good view of everything. Uh, or like behind the bench of the team I really like. So lower, lower when I was like a the, youth going to Penguins games, mm-hmm. I would like be like, oh my God, we need to sit. Actually like across from the Penguins bench so I could see them <laughs> versus mm-hmm. their backs. Right, calm, calm down. <laughs> or, but I think the best one is like, yeah, lower bowl, not super low though, because you want to be able to see everything. So mm-hmm. lower bowl between the bench and the goal, kind of in the corner. I'm I'm there. I'm there with you on the corner. Yeah. Lower lo- lower bowl. Uh huh. Um. And either like on the glass or high enough up that there isn't anything in your way. Next song, Stereo Hearts, Jim Class Heroes featuring Adam Levine. Okay. Uh, when I go to games, honestly, I, I don't stay in my seat all that much. I just I I'll get up. Oh, I'll, you're a roamer. Yeah, I because. I'm usually there having having a having a beer or three, and uh, I don't know. I I like I like standing up on the concourse. Maybe if there's if there's some tables set up, some like bar, some like pub kind of tables where you can lean and have a beer. They have those at PPG. Um, I think that's the move. I'm not really paying attention to games when I'm, when I'm in the stands. Honestly, really. Uh, you know what? I will always. I find um, this is going a bit off the rails. I find it really hard to keep track of the score at basketball games in person. If I'm at a hoop game in person, I never know what the score is yeah, unless I'm more- like making it a point to be like <laughs> constantly looking up at the scoreboard. But I'm watching the game. That mm-hmm. sometimes I'll look up and be like, "Oh my god, is that what's happening right now?" I'm also <laughs> there's a lot, way I'm a- more going on, so I actually like focus. Um. Much worse, much worse with that at uh, at baseball games too. That's what are partial- your favorite? You're bad at checking the score. Bad at yeah, paying any sort of attention to what's going on on the oh. field. Absolutely. What are it's coming your- from? A, coming from a childhood of watching terrible, terrible, terrible uh, Go pirates, pirates teams. Yeah. So. Um, I hear PNC is nice. It's a great, it's a great place, and it's a great place to wander around and sit in different seats and. Big bar in right field, and you buy some tickets on on the on the big wall in right field. Those are usually very very cheap, by the way. On on the Clemente Wall, they call it. Okay. Really really cheap tickets there. If if anybody's looking to go to PNC, that's always my advice because it's a fun it's a fun seat. You're up on a twenty foot twenty one foot wall in in right field, and the and the seat the seats are are typically super cheap, and you can walk around the Riverwalk and do all that kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about paying attention to the product, which is a fate worse than death right. when you're stuck watching that team. I went to, I've been to a baseball game in Cincinnati and I like that ballpark because you can, you can sit up high and look across the river at sweet, sweet Kentucky. That is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Walmart PNC park, basically. They, it's very um, similar. It's like similar, except, except a little bit worse. This is another question from me, not the mailbag. This is from my own personal mailbag. This is from the hail bag, Sean. Oh God. Rank your like, games from the major leagues that you would most want to go to from, I guess we'll go major four, like NHL, MLB, NFL, NBA one to four in terms of like what game you'd want to go to from these leagues, like specific games. No, like I'd prefer to go to like an NBA game, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, like rank your in-game experience at one of those Oh, events as in, a fan. In, in game, in person, it is go uh, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL. Uh, watching NFL games in person uh, sucks because the amount of TV timeouts, because of the weather, it is a major. And if you're in Buffalo, all the people that are that, like really sure. messed up. <laughs> yeah, I watched a man Trump in the middle dorks. of December. In the middle of December. Take all of his clothes off because he was sweating. Is that normal response, honestly? It was snowing. I was wearing a blanket on top of my jacket. Anyways, NFL last, MLB, 
yeah, football football games are are made are made for television. It's product at this point. You know, people they're they're not meant for people to have a good time watching them, watch them in person. So they're mm-hmm. the other three. Honestly, are, are pretty much under, interchangeable as far as I'm concerned because baseball is ho- fun because you can just hang. Hoops, it's a good summer yep. hang. Hoops and hoops and NHL are better in person, and baseball is just like hanging out outside on a nice day. <laughs> and foot footballs, you know. Weather sucks. You're surrounded by drunk maniacs, and every and there's 30 seconds yeah. of action followed by you know a five yeah. minute a five and minute commercial break. You have to commit to watching one game on a, a Sunday. five minute commercial break. That's the other no. thing. The, the I prefer to put costs, in a no. shift on a Sunday and just lay on my couch and watch whatever I want. You and me both, brother. Brother. That's right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Google Docs, Slack, Canva, Teams, you write across multiple platforms and places during your workday. So delivering consistent, high-quality communication everywhere is key. Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high-quality writing for better projects, proposals, presentations, and more. Best of all, Grammarly works where you work, so you can get more done no matter what tools you use. Grammarly helps me personally when I'm writing a description for a podcast or when I'm filling out a rundown for a show. It helps me avoid making grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, and just generally makes things easier in my day. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Tone suggestions even help you navigate the most difficult work conversations. By the way, Grammarly is the gold standard of responsible AI. With 15 years of best-in-class communication, trusted by tens of millions of professionals and IT departments. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Keeping their contracts in mind, who is more valuable, Tim Stutzla or Austin Matthews? All things being equal, I don't think there's much of a debate that Matthews is the answer here. When you include their contracts, though, does the answer change? That's from Quad Pup. This is what happens when Austin Matthews only scores 30 goals a season. Mm -hmm. I love that Stutzla contract, though. Yes. Love it. Absolutely. The Stutzla deal is great. That was a good business by the Sens and Pierre Dorian. Um, to just say like we're gonna lock this guy up before he blows up and he costs more money. That's that's what Kevin Adams is doing in Buffalo. Uh, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, those guys are gonna be worth those mm-hmm. deals in a year. I mean, Tage Thompson already is. Dylan Cousins probably following suit. So yeah, the Stutzla deal is great, but I just can't really get behind saying like like at the end of the day, if you're building a contender, do you want? Let me pull up these contracts really quickly, actually. Whenever Matthews makes twelve and a half million dollars a year or whatever it ends up being, maybe the calculus gets a little different, but like I don't know. It's still Austin Matthews. I I need another full year of Tim Stutzla, even even at you know, a cut rate basically that he's that he's at now and moving forward to be sold on entertaining right. the discussion, I think. Because we know And Matthews we should is. say Tim Stutzla is currently making nine hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, so that okay. deal hasn't even kicked mean, in. Yeah, I, I, don't I know, mean. I know, I know, I know, I know. So this is the question: basically, is do you want Tim Stutzla at um, eight years, eight point three five million, or would you rather have Austin Matthews at five years, eleven point six four million? It's uh, it's Austin Matthews. Sure. Like if you're building a roster from scratch, which one do you want? We again, it's what it's the two and change, two and two million and change, three and change. I can't do math. E- yeah, we. we I've like been I eating said, cough medicine. Eating cough medicine. <laughs> Natalie Merchant, by the way, playing in the lobby right now. Um, Austin Matthews, I, I think this is his floor I, for the next few exactly. years. Exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to be worse next year than he than he than he is currently. In his and floor, I, he's still an over point per game player and he's at yeah. 29 goals this season and he's also, been hurt all year. Also one of the that legitimately outstanding defensive player um Stutzla isn't that yet. Mm-hmm. I'm always hesitant you to like notice? I'm always hesitant to criticize the Sens <laughs> or yeah, Tim Stutzla. Yeah, the fans hate your guts. Yeah, yeah, they. I'm yeah, because you said that he point. dove that one time. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's move on from that. But, the Rasmus Anderson one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The one where Rasmus Anderson like kind of brushed up against him, and then he like flung himself on the ground, and Anderson was just like, "What the hell just happened here?" That one's legitimately funny. It, it, it happens. It's it's something. It's something. It's something you see from young players. Like I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to nail him to the wall for it. But right. it, for sure, it happened. He's yeah, a very I, good player. I, I, I just think... need a. I just need. A, I, I need another another season or two from him to entertain yeah. this. The thought seriously, I think, is where I'm at. For sure. So Matthews at 62 points and 29 goals in 57 games, and people are being like, hmm, I don't know. I know. Crazy. <laughs> Uh, and the thing with Matthews that you mentioned about the defensive game, I think his defense, like his work in the D zone and the neutral zone, you don't always notice it when you're watching a game and say, yeah. like, why hasn't Austin Matthews scored a goal in a couple days? Or why is he not dominating the way he was last year? But this season, when he is out of the lineup, the Leafs and his line mates specifically miss the work he does in the D zone and in transition when it comes to just getting pucks out and up and hopping into the rush. Like there's just all these little things that Matthews does in all three zones that that helps his team even if he's not scoring. So yeah, yeah I think Stutzla and this, need all to. of this, none of this is saying that I don't think Tim Stutzla is a player you can build a really good contending team they, around. They Tim Stutzla is very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. I was covering the Sens when they drafted him, and I said, I think this guy actually, you know, I think it was Corey Prom, and it's just like, this is the guy who might actually end up being better than Alexi Lafreniere, and this is when Lafreniere was still, like, the next golden child. So I'm not a Tim Stutzla hater. I just can't really get behind, like, let's show that no. Matthews makes $3 million more and wonder, would you rather have Tim Stutzla at eight something? No, I wouldn't. I'd take Austin Matthews. Yeah. It's reasonable. Do you agree? I agree. Laban on the beat says, rank the mascots based on the severity of the crimes you believe they are most likely to commit. Carlton the bear. He's done some terrible, terrible things. He's so sweet. It's it's just what he wants you to think. He's a chunky little polar bear. Just what they want you to think. This is a great question. This is like the mascot hunger games from Laz's daughter. God, absolutely. This is like... Bowie's Bowie's cute. Justice for Bowie. No, 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 no. Bowie is a bridge troll. Right. He definitely kills people. Stormy the pig in Carolina. He's he could not hurt anyone. He seems like we need to protect. He seems like he seems like a good dude. The blue jackets bug thing is kind of creepy. Those eyes, they're red from blood. Al the octopus. Eight arms just means he can <gasps> kill more people, I suppose. Harvey the Hound has been around since 1983. How is he still alive? I, I, I appreciate that the design hasn't changed on Harvey the Hound. Iceberg, so cute. Love him. Mickey Moose, harmless, just a sweet, sweet creature. I mean, the devil in New Jersey, he doesn't actually do anything wrong. He just he just is their leader. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> the devil doesn't do anything wrong? He's never hurt anyone. People just look up to him. The devil hasn't done anything wrong. It's something Sparky you just said. Sparky the dragon is a good dragon. It's Satan. <laughs> it's the devil. It's the devil's mascot. Who is? You know what? Is, I hate who, Thunderbug. <laughs> it's either Satan or Thunderbug. There, you happy? Okay. <laughs> or yippee. I think it's Thunderbug. The last thing, the, the last one I want to go into here, the last question I want to go into. Wait, here. no. Thunderbug has red and white fur growing out of its eyeballs. Uh, what? I don't think that's biologically correct. What? <laughs> this is the description of Thunderbug I see online. Fur growing out of his eyeballs. Okay. Oh, his eyes are so far apart. 
<laughs> I'm not an entomologist, but I don't I don't know. There's that fur. Bugs have is fur. A bu- is thunderbug a bird or a bug? It's a bug. <laughs> is thunderbug a bird? What kind? Like, listen to the listen to what you're saying. His eyes they look like they have feathers. <laughs> if he was a bird, his name would be Thunderbird. <laughs> For the love of God. Big question from Kevin here. Have you ever eaten at Armstrong's in Casty Village? This is a very Pittsburgh-specific question. One of the main things I missed since I moved to Columbus. Kevin, my man, I have eaten from Armstrong. I've, I've eaten Armstrong's hundreds of times. My my grandma lives close by. Armstrong's was the go-to. Like, oh, bringing food over for a family for for a family uh, family party. Great wings, great pasta, great everything from Armstrong's. Hell yes. Do you think all the octopuses like killed eight people at once? I think so. Yeah, he could steal so much stuff at a store. The arms are four. Man. All right, that's it. Something about Thunderbug, man. <laughs> I think that's all for today. <laughs> Goodbye. If you are an athletic subscriber, join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $2 a month for 12 months. Thank you folks for doing our job this week. It's much Sorry appreciated. about this one. <laughs> Haley's on cough medicine. We need to go. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next time. 